0: good to, to have you with us um, so just uh, some few announcements here this morning that we want to run through uh, we I think there's a yeah it doesn't matter um, Thomas if you get that this week slide up there but it's fine either way uh, following the the service if you haven't already smelt it when you walked in this morning there is a bring and share following the service that everyone is welcome to stay for and Lord willing, we always have enough food. If we don't, we'll pray that the Lord will multiply it uh, in the name of Jesus. So, But we trust that it will be a great time of connecting after the service. Um, next Sunday, we uh, actually, no one, I don't know, were you coming up? It doesn't. You don't have to. It's fine. Uh, we have an evening of celebrating relationships within the body of LCF. That's what we're calling it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say, um, we need people to sign up. (laughs) So, me and Diane are gonna be running around and tapping people on the shoulder because we need to know how much cheesecake, how much yummy stuff to buy. So, it's not just for the food, but we welcome you to come and it is not for married people only. It's for all adults and so come enjoy celebrating relationships together as a body of Christ.
0: Amen. Um, on that note, this is a perfect segue for what starts on Tuesday night, the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course that we are running. Um, we have a couple sets of course materials still available if anyone wants to sign up last minute. Now, there was a comment made to me, a couple comments made to me this last week that made me think, I don't know if anyone was thinking they, that there was this thought that this was only for married couples. Because uh, it's, it's not at all. And, and maybe that wasn't totally clear, but uh, EHR is a course which follows up on EHS, is for anyone and everyone in the church, it's really just about relationships within the body of Christ, uh, not, not at all specifically to marriages. Uh, it obviously encompasses all that, but it's, it's specifically about relationships, period. So if you want to sign up, you can do it on the website. You can talk to me after. We have a couple extra uh, sets of resources still available. Um, Carlin.
2: <laughs> um thank you we just we first of all we just wanted to publicly say thank you for your prayers and for the meals you've given us um I'll say that i want to encourage you with a couple scriptures here and tanya will share something too okay Two. Where
3: is that? okay uh this is galatians 6 uh verse 2 bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But le- let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will we'll be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. At the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will be also rap- reap for the one who sows in his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows in the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary for doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith.
2: So the first... uh First of all, the first verse there says, fulfilling the law of Christ. Thank you, guys, for fulfilling the law of Christ to us, your neighbors in the body. We appreciate that, and uh, we love you. Um, and, uh, yeah, if Jake Peters is listening, this church is is not growing weary of well-doing. Um, we We appreciate that, and we, yeah, say thank you.
3: And I just wanted to also say that, uh, in going going into and listening to all of the the services that we've been talking about, the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit has led, and I I um, had lots of I felt at the time that I was doing as Mary was doing, keeping things to her heart, and. There was lots of things that I was keeping to my heart. And I just was so blessed by you guys, and the stop and everything, and that I just felt very carried, very carried by the Lord and his goodness. And one one day, as we were, as I was going in to go see him, I had seen, I had parked, and out of, even in the cold, <laughs> there there was birds that were like perched in front of me and and I just remember just thinking like God cares for those little guys <laughs> and like how much more does he care for me and Carlin and knowing that he has got us covered and it, I mean it's amazing but like the whole time that Carlin was in there there was a horror fo- horror frost and it was just beautiful and every morning I drove in and I was like God this is you just covering grace upon grace in this situation and in all of your prayers and all of your concerns and just the food you lavished on us and stuff it was just showing God's love and care in that so
2: yeah. um, I'll be open you can still pray for for me I still have a partially collapsed lung I guess like it's just partially but it so that's a that's a prayer request
0: hmm. to keep An an update, I guess you could say. Bless you guys. Thanks you. All right. uh, Let's roll that video, Thomas.
4: Hello, church. It's Doug and Jan coming to you from sunny Mexico uh, with an update on how our ministry is going, what we've been doing. And uh, asking for prayer from you we uh, are in a busy season with uh, much counseling many counseling sessions uh, some online some face-to-face we're doing pre-marriage counseling Uh, we have a small group that of uh, local leaders that we're helping to grow and uh, we're spending a great deal of time just enjoying all that we do
1: we have um, one group of Of couples that are we're training to walk alongside of dating couples and courting couples because we feel it's really important that pre-marriage counseling and pre-marriage planning is so important for the marriage so we we're doing that and we're also we've just finished teaching a group out of our church we had 20 people 10 couples and we did that the other night and that went super well we had a great time and uh, they're looking for more teaching from us We're also getting ready to go to Guadalajara where we'll do some leadership training.
4: Um, We're doing some online counseling with couples that are around the world, actually. We've got one couple that's on their way to Vietnam returning there and another couple in New Zealand. So we're either online or face-to-face, but once again, just having a great time.
1: We're so grateful that you pray for us because we really need it. Uh, We have people coming for prayer, we have people coming for food. You'll see Andrea in one of the photos. with. She has an extra child now, and they always come hungry. So we're always quick to give sandwiches and food. And we're grateful to be here. We're grateful for your prayers. We're grateful for how God still uses us. And we always say he still uses old cracked pots, of which we are. So we, we just wish you the best, and we, we pray for you even as you pray for us. And we bless you in Jesus' name.
0: Good talking to you.
1: Bye, love Bye. you. Bye, love you all.
0: I was uh, I was blessed that Doug and Jan actually sent that video to us unprompted and uh, just wanted to to give us an update. So thank you for praying for them. Uh, I, I know that in my communication with them that they do pray for us. And so it is a great blessing uh, to be connected with them. Um, also, it's, it's really neat, uh, just the opportunity to provide updates like that. Next week, we're going to actually have a couple here by the name of TJ and Amanda Penner. Uh, you guys would know them, but they uh, they serve at Gimli Bible Camp. And so they're going to be with us next Sunday. And they're just going to give a quick update about what's going on in their ministry there uh, in up in Gimli. And so we're excited to have them come next Sunday as well. And uh, Oh, and Lord willing, we're actually going to have um, a new connection we're making with worship. We're going to have them leading us next week here as well. So some cool, neat things happening next Sunday. Um... Just want to uh, make a note about charitable giving receipts for this last year. So I, in the email, we had said that they were either going to be emailed or mailed. There, there's actually a bunch of them that are also in the church mailboxes. So uh, check your church mailbox for your receipts. Um, I know that some will probably be mailed out, but Irma was, was taking care of that. Um, thank you for your faithfulness in giving and, uh, and being obedient to the Lord as we, as we tithe and, and give from our finances. On that note... Um, kind of been talking about this internally, and, and uh, we were talking about this yesterday, actually, as a leadership team. Just want to give a, a quick plug for our children's ministry, for kids' uh, ministry, when it comes to offering. Um, and that is that, that we do actually take offering as well downstairs, and that goes directly to support Bernard with Love's Door, uh, that we are still sponsoring out in Zambia. So just want to encourage... Oops, sorry. Not, not only encourage kids, but parents encourage you... Uh, that we're talking to our kids about the value of of giving financially, even at that age, and of of learning how we're tithing, and and so, and and knowing that it actually matters because of the support uh, that we're giving to Loves Door for Bernard. So, on that note, kids, you are not going downstairs today. Uh, you have the privilege of listening to uh, one of the greatest speakers that Southern Manitoba has to offer. Uh, there is going to be clipboards in the back, so uh, if you want to, parents, kids, if you want to go and grab your clipboards now, you can. Uh, Matt, why don't you, why don't you come up? And uh, so, those of you that don't know, Matt Vogt is from Calvary Church in Steinbach. Uh, he's a dear friend of mine. Uh, we have a lot of bantering on text about uh, NFL football, but uh, we also love each other dearly and... Uh, love to encourage one another and I, I love the fact that Matt uh, can be with us this morning and uh, and to bring the word. So bless you. you. Yeah, we're glad to have you with us. I'm gonna I'll move that for you. Thank
5: you. Good morning. Everybody hear me okay? So <clears throat> my name is Matt and uh, I'm from Calvary Church. I have the privilege of being one of the elders there, formerly one of the pastors, and I've moved on to redder pastures in the meat industry, and, and that's been a, a real wild ride. So um, a lot of the kids have vacated. Where do the kids go during this? Are they coming back? Okay, because I have, I have some tasks for the kids to do that uh, I'm hinging everything on. So, no big deal. We can all throw pressure at everyone else, right? And so, good morning. Um, I want to read a story. Uh, It's one of the most captivating stories in the Bible I've read in a very long time. I actually read it uh, in the lunchroom of my work, and I I realized, wow, I've been on the edge of my seat the whole time. Like, literally, I was kind of like this. Um... Just a question for the congregation. When's the last time the Bible had you reading a story in it like that? The Bible is a very captivating book. It's true. It is is it it is captivating. It is intense. These were, these were real people experiencing real hardships. And, and just incredible, incredible, incredible. So I want to read a story. And... Uh, And I hope enough little ones come back in time for us to have a demonstration. So, let me just put a plug for the parents. Here's what what I'm going to need for actors, okay? I'm going to need some actors today. So, I'm going to need a real small, one small child, as small as possible. So I need the bravest, smallest child that can stand on their own. Maybe her. Okay, I need, I need one of the smallest children that can stand on their own for a demonstration when I would call. Okay, so parents, if you would help me. I need a couple of medium-sized kids that are willing to be rambunctious when called upon. All right, so let me, let me tell you again. I had my eye on, on that boy as well for the small kid. What's, what's that boy's name? Joseph Joseph, OK? I'm not going to call him out that. One. that's too far. So I'm going to need a small kid for this demonstration when I call on them. I'm going to need two medium-sized kids that are willing to be rambunctious. And I'm going to need a big adult. Daryl. (Laughter) And I'm, are, you, are you willing to do it? You're perfect. Don't be offended. Don't be offended when you find out the story. Okay? And we're going to have the cross. Okay? And <clears throat> maybe I'll use the music stand. That's fine. But we've got to get into the Word of God first. So, so this is the Word of God. It happened to real people. We, we have to learn what happened to the real people And we have to understand that our condition is the same as theirs. We're the same people. Different language, different styles, different way of living, but we're the same people. God created one group of people. And so we have the same issues, we have the same fears and concerns and worries. We're in the same need of a powerful God to come through for us when we run out of all our expenses and power. Okay, so we're in Exodus 14. This is a story that had me on the edge of my chair. This is the story of the Red Sea. This is a Sunday school story. Right? And, and so this is rightfully so. I, I was amazed reading the story of the Red Sea, how it, it was in every bit of the Bible after that. You start looking at Psalm, a lot of Psalms talks about the Red Sea. And what God did in those moments. A lot of the New Testament talks about it. But let's get into it. Um, So what I want to do is is I'm going to read through chapter 14. And I'm going to make some comments. And I'm going to make some connections. But the story is no different than some of our hardships today. Okay. The story, although grander is no different than some of our hardships today. Hardship, crisis, struggle, burdens, worries, whatever we want to call them. Okay, and so this might even be helpful. In your mind, think of a struggle, a crisis, a burden that you are going through right now. We all have them we all have areas in our life that we we, we can't find a good way out. Whether it's a sin, a relationship, uh, a sickness, financial something, financially, something, uh, an illness of the mind or the body, we all have a burden or a struggle that we just can't seem to find our way through. And so I want you to keep that in your mind as we talk about this this huge story that's sometimes hard to relate to because God surely doesn't work like this anymore. Okay. Here we go. Everybody got it? Chapter 14, crossing the Red Sea. This is the word of God about real people, about a real God. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is the trap. So title, first part of the story, trap. Do you know that God traps people? He's tricky. He is tricky. And he knows just how to maneuver situations and plans just perfectly. You'll see. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn. Okay. Moses has done his 10 miracles of 10 plagues to the people of Egypt. Ending with the death of the firstborns, ending with Pharaoh finally booting them out, ending with the Israelites pillaging them on the way out, which is ridiculous. They gave them their gold. That's crazy. So he sends them out, like 600,000 600, men and all their stuff and people. So women, children, 600,000 men. Sends them out into the wilderness, taking all the goods of Egypt, after Egypt is decimated. And that was a, that was a judgment on Egypt, and it was a, it was a, a blessing and a goodness to Israel. But it was a hard lesson to learn. The hardest lessons to learn are usually the ones that we need the most. And they're just so hard to learn, everybody. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Harioth, between Migdol and the sea, in front of Baal-Sephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. This is interesting. Here's the trap. For Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And so God is sharing his mind. He's sharing his mind, and he's sharing his plan. He's saying, Moses, take the people and walk sillily. I make up words every time I'm here. Sillily, is that a word? (laughs) Walk aimlessly around the desert so that it looks like you're confused. In the meantime, I'm going to let Pharaoh regret or, or forget that all of the ways that I destroyed him were really that bad. Through the plagues, God cut Pharaoh and in Egypt into a quarter of what it was. He killed all their livestock, all their crops, all their animals, and all their firstborns. They had nothing. Like they had literally nothing. And, and yet God says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, so he forgets all that. And he decides, you know what, that was a little silly of us. I don't think we really had the right reasons in letting Israel go. It was actually a pretty good setup. We need to go get them back, because they don't really know what they're doing anyway. And so God made them look like an easy target. This amazing trap. Here comes the crisis, though. And the crisis, this is where things get hairy, for them and for us. Verse 5, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people. And they said, what is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him. This is a military power at the time. And took six hundred chosen chariots and all of the chariots of Egypt with officers all over them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The, Is- the Egyptians pursued them, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and all his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamped in, in the sea by Pi-Hariath in front of baal zephon Some good Egyptian words for us to pronounce this morning. You can read them if you don't think I said them correctly. This is a big problem. This is a big problem. And so now is the time that I would like to set up our little display. Okay? Because we can read this and think, yeah, the army's coming. This isn't that big of a deal. But, but we have to understand kind of the problem that we're at, okay? So I need one little child, two rambunctious mm-hmm. childs. Yeah, everybody just come up. I will use you. And Daryl. Uh, you being another rambunctious child. Yeah, come on up. Everybody who wants to come on up, come on up. <laughs> you're not rambunctious. Okay, all the rambunctious children are going to stand over here. But in, in, yeah, good start. You're in front of the cross. Okay, are you my little child? Yeah. What's your name? Valley. Hi. Come on. All right. And Daryl. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Can I just help you? Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Okay, so I want you, you kids to be rambunctious, waving, storming, no, 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 but all, yeah, you got to do a zone right here, okay, let that all happen in the zone. No, I don't think you're owning it yet. <laughs> okay, Sam, can you come help them? No, Shemi, anybody else want to come help them here? No? Okay, keep going, that's good, that's good. Okay, good, yes. Pastor's kids have to do everything. Okay? <laughs> the Lord wants to stretch all of us this morning. Okay? And so, Red Sea, Little Israel, Pharaoh. Okay? I mean, you look amazing. <laughs> like, there's no other choice. All right? So, you can see the problem here. So, here's Israel. They look to the left. Pharaoh. And, what, and is, Pharaoh, is Pharaoh scary to you? No. No? <laughs> Don't be like... Okay, no, this is good. This is good. This is good. Remember that. Remember that. I can use that. No, Pharaoh is not scary. Okay? Red Sea Army... Little Israel, right? They have, now, Israel has nowhere to go, okay? There's wilderness here, they can't escape from. There's Pharaoh and their captives there. And there's the Red Sea looking slightly calm here, okay? And this is all important. This is all important. So I want you guys to stay up here for a second, okay? Pharaoh, you can look a little bit more menacing and come a little closer. (laughs) Okay? Pharaoh's come to take them out. He wants them back. Good. Good. He's getting into character. Okay? Pharaoh wants to take them out. And do you guys know what happens? Israel gets terrified. Terrified. In their hearts, they get terrified, all right, because they realize we got a problem here. Our captives are here in all their military force, smiling. The Red Sea is here, low tide, and here's little Israel. What's little Israel going to do, right? And here's what they say. Here's what they say when, Israel, when Pharaoh comes near. When Pharaoh drew near the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold the Egyptians were marching before them. Right. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, "Is it because there are no graves? There are no graves in Egypt." Think about that. There's no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. What have you done to bring us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And like Israel said, Pharaoh, not that scary. Not that scary. There is about a billion lessons here in, in this one exchange. <laughs> no. no, no. Right? There's about a billion lessons here in this exchange. So Israel already seeing God's mighty work at hand. Already seeing 10 months of plagues. Ten months, three months, it was a long time of plagues. They're a little unsure about how long the plagues took, but it wasn't just a few, it wasn't seven days of really bad things happening. These were months of plagues. They marched out of Egypt as free people. As free people that God had ransomed out on their behalf, having done nothing. But in this moment, none of that mattered. This is what crisis does to us. In the moment of crisis, everything that happened before doesn't matter. And all we see is mean old Pharaoh on one side and low tide Red Sea on another. But we feel trapped. There isn't a good on the left or the right. There isn't anywhere I can back up. I'm stuck. And when we feel stuck, our true beliefs come out. Okay? Is this, is this true in your life? Think about the struggle. When you feel stuck, your true beliefs about God, about you, about his goodness, come out. The lies that we believe come out as well. Would it have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness? And so they forgot that God had ransomed them. They forgot that God had done all of those good works on their behalf, all of the miracles. They forgot all of that, and they saw the danger on the left and the impassibility of the sea on the right, or however geographically it worked out. And they were terrified. See? Okay. Okay. So I want you guys to keep doing this just just for a little bit longer, okay? And Moses said to the people, and so this is the first step out of the crisis. Moses, their leader, telling them, okay, when crisis hits, this is the first step. And Moses said to the people, why do you cry to me? Sorry. Fear not, stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. That's impossible. That's impossible. That's impossible. Okay, so, so everyone is so friendly here, and so you can't really see the dynamics of how challenging this is for Israel, but they're facing certain destruction, so much so that it would look good to go back to Egypt. You know, actually, it wasn't that bad working all day with no supplies and limited food. It wasn't actually that bad. That sounds a lot better than us here today they had thought Moses had taken them out of Egypt to die. And Moses' instruction was, it's okay. God is going to work on your behalf. Just be silent and trust him. That's impossible. And yet, that is the beginning of every rescue plan that God has for us. Every rescue out of financial bondage, sin, relational strife, mental illness, physical pain, chronic stuff, addictions. The first, the the very first way that God wants to set you free is to have you be quiet in front of him and understand that God will have his say in your situation. That's not where we end, but that's where we have to start. And I, I Holy Spirit, would you convince us of this truth? Would you convince us of this truth? We first start the road to recovery By understanding our situation, accepting it, accepting it, and understanding that our way out is the Lord. And this is the hardest step. It's a step where you feel like you're the most powerless, you're the least in control, and it's the least up for grabs. What's going to happen? You're not fighting you're not acting on it. You're not trying to work it all out on God's behalf. You're not fretting. You're not um, avoiding. You're not explaining, and you're not distracting. That sucks, right? Like that sucks. And and so many times, you guys are doing great. So friendly. So many times, that's what happens when you get redeemed people to to be like Pharaoh and waves. It's like, no, they can't be menacing. They're too (laughs) redeemed. So many times, the quiet stage never happens, and you're in a constant battle of addiction, distraction, and denial. Addiction, distraction, and denial. You're in a constant state of that and you move from one thing and you go to another and you go to another. And the thing that is causing the crisis never gets dealt with. You you guys can say if that's true or not to yourselves. But then we never deal with that thing that puts us in crisis. We never we never deal with that crisis of faith, and so we don't grow. We get stunted. We get delayed because we stay where we are. But then there's the response. There's the response from God. This is what He says. In verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, and God is so transparent in how he thinks and acts in this passage. Why do you cry to me, he says to Moses, their leader. Why do you cry to me? So Moses was a great leader. He said, you know what, guys? Understand that God's going to do a miracle in your midst today. Own that for yourselves. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to make a deal. Own that for yourselves that God can do a miracle in your midst. And the Lord says to him, that's great, but why are we still talking about this? I want you to move. Think of the faith battle for Moses even in this. Because I'm not so sure he knew the way out. I'm not so sure he knew the way out ahead of time. When he was was telling the Israelites, God's going to move. Just be silent. Don't move a muscle. God's going to fix this for you. Uh, It's very possible that God hadn't revealed to him yet that the Red Sea was going to open for them. Excellent. We're all learning together. 15, the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. They've actually found a, a scientific explanation to, to how, the water, how the wind will move just perfectly to create a dry channel in the water. I don't know the name of it, but they found it. There you go. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they go in after them. Think of the hysteria of the army that says, oh, good. They're deciding to go through the ocean. That's perfect. We'll just, we'll just go in after them. What? Good job. No, she, she's not going to join you. She's going to go through you. I will harden their hearts, thanks for being here, the Egyptians, so that they will go in after them, and I will glory after Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. This is interesting, And and the angel of God was going before them, so they had the angel of God, the pillar and the cloud, that's me I think, the pillar and the fire or the, the pillar of fire and the cloud was going before them in the desert now goes behind them to create a division and a distraction between Israel, who's moving closer to the sea, and hard-hearted Pharaoh, redeemed still friendly. <laughs> right? And there was a cloud and the darkness and lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. And this is the part of our this is the part of our crisis and our struggle that God needs to be God. okay so our job is to sit and wait and jobs and God's job is to tell us to move and to do the things that only he can do in our issues. Then God stretched or sorry, then Moses stretched out his hand over. The sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. See? They were selling, see? She's, she's being held back. Look at that. That is wonderful. God, okay. Not by her hair, though. And <laughs> I love you guys. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. The waters being a wall to them on the right and to the left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen. You can go through the sea. Notice the, notice the cross. Notice the cross, everybody. There's a lot to see. Pharaoh's going to go in, and you're all going to hug Mr. Daryl. And there. Stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and his servant, Moses. Very good. Let's give everybody a hand. Way to go. Good job. <laughs> That's great. So, real quick. <laughs> Everyone was just so friendly. Was it scary at all? Let's come about 1,300 years after that. Let's come to the life of Jesus. The, the cross I wanted to put in the midst of the Red Sea because the New Testament is very specific in saying what happened there at the Red Sea was, was a great victory, but a foreshadowing to an even greater victory. Like the Israelite people in an in a, in a, in a unwinnable, unwinnable war, they were given by grace a way out that would change the very course of their history. God rescued them in such a way that it it influenced everything that culture would have going forward. But but the beauty of the battle is is in how Jesus came and finished the job so many years later. Everything that happened in the Old Testament, Jesus came to complete once and for all. The temple was never going to do it. The killing of animals was never going to do it. The Bible says that so itself. It was was an impossible thing to set up this, because they get out of the Red Sea, they get into the desert, and God says, you need to make a place for me to dwell, and I'm going to have all these rules and all these things that you need to do perfectly so you don't die. Because I want to show you just how valuable my presence is. How precious it is. And it's a picture. It's a, it's a picture. We, Western Christianity, and, and I'm part of that, I think we, we sometimes lose the value of the opportunity to be in god's presence we just fin not we i'm here i am we lcf you guys just finished 3 weeks of the holy spirit and and let me sum it up in my own words the beauty of the holy spirit in our life is so outrageously wonderful it's the very essence of god living in the very temple, brokenness, clay-filled pots that we are, the very best of eternity, the thing that makes the world go round has been given as a free gift where Jesus did all the hard work. I want to deliver you and I want to fill you. All that power, Romans says, all that power, the very thing that gave Jesus the victory over the cross, the very thing that defeated death on the third day, that same essence is in us. It's the newness. Because the sad news is, and we see this in our life, Our Red Seas don't always part. It's kind of the hard part of this story is because as much as we have struggles, we also know that. Our Red Seas don't always part. Sometimes we we feel like we're overtaken by the enemy. Sometimes we tend to get sent back into slavery. Sometimes we choose to go back into slavery. That's, that's, that's a whole sermon series on itself. You know, sidebar, just a quick sidebar. Uh, if you're a new believer, if you're a struggling believer, if, if the Egyptians in your life are something that is just so difficult for you to overcome, if you just keep being tempted to go back to that captivity because something in it is alluring you more. Than the newness that you have today. Read read victory over the darkness. You guys have it in your library? Do you have a library? Victory over the darkness. Okay, because, because that's one of the, the hard parts about being a struggling believer. Is is that that old self seems really relevant and seems really attractive sometimes. And and the newness of who we are in Christ that essence of the Holy Spirit, the new birth inside of you, sometimes that voice needs to grow and get stronger and louder, and sometimes we need to hear it better. But victory over the darkness, uh, it speaks about all of that, knowing the newness of who we are, and not, not continuing to be a slave to the Egyptians' masters that we once served, because before Christ, we all served masters. This is a great connective story um, in John 11. This is the story of Lazarus. And I just want to point, we know the story of Lazarus pretty good, right? Jesus', Jesus super buddies with Lazarus and his whole family, Mary and Martha, they're, they're, they're tight, they're part of each other's uh, inner circles. They watch the Super Bowl together. Uh, if, right, like they're close. And, and Jesus finds out that Lazarus is gonna die. It's John 11, Lazarus is gonna die. And Jesus says, yeah, I, they want me to come, I'm, I'm gonna do that, but I'm gonna finish some things around here too. And it's a little perplexing to his disciples, because they're like, uh, he's gonna die. And Jesus says, yeah, I, I got my timing down right. Here's a setup again. It's a setup like at the Red Sea. This is what he says. He, this is how he views it. Eleven, eleven. After saying these things, he said to them, "Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go awaken him." That's that's amazing. The disciples said to him, "Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover." Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to him plainly, and and this is why God loves so much to do, to, to create these scenarios in our life that are so challenging, that seem so lost, that seem so out of reach. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, that you may believe. But let us go to him. Everything, everything, everything in our life, all of the hardships, all of the calamity, all the being stuck between a dangerous master and a roaring, friendly sea, all of these things God is willing to use that he would be made much and our struggles. And Corinthians talks about this and I'm not going to read it because I'm just not. But Corinthians talked about it. he says he says as much as the sea the the defeat of the sea was important it was Christ's final victory that made a way for us to always have a way out. In your struggles today, in your fears and worries, the one thing that you never have to doubt is that God is always working for your very best outcome. But it's always by his definition of our very best. The wonderful thing, as Jesus said, is that the very thing That we fear the most, which is preserving our lives, is the one thing that Jesus has guaranteed through faith we'll never, ever have to lose. Whatever happens here, whatever happens on earth, the final battle is always won. God has preserved that thing in your life, that very thing that matters more than everything else. And that's your soul. That's that's this beautiful inheritance of new life inside of you. And more than that, although he's not going to part every sea for you, he's always going to be completely present in every battle that we have. He's right there in every, every battle. And he wants us. This is the hard part about faith. Is that it's this, it's this reaction to the, to the challenge that we just can't always find a way through. I want to leave you with this verse. It's Psalm 56. This might be a great verse to, to really preach to yourself. Because that's what we need. We need provisions when we get stuck. Like the Israelites do. We need a plan. That's why we sing. That's why we worship. That's why we read. That's why we pray. That's why we have community. Because when we get stuck, we need a plan. God has guaranteed our final victory. But what are we going to do when it gets so crowded with danger? And it's just so simple. This is a great verse to, rem- to memorize. It's Psalm 56, and it's plainly put. When I am afraid, verse three and four, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And so it's this reaction. It's this reaction. When life comes upon us really tough, we're, we're going to choose, we're going to choose to believe, we're going to choose to have faith. This is a gift of the Holy Spirit, it's not something you can create on your own. And so, um, as the band comes up, as we look to um, kind of finish this in prayer, I want, I want to just ask that we would stand, and, and I would love to pray for us all. As as we all have many battles that um, we're looking to wage right now, so if you would stand, please, Father. I want to thank you that your word is true, and that and that our job is to trust you and to and to. Adjust our lives to your reality. The word the words of of the Red Sea, of the Egyptian army, of your victory are, are true and trustworthy. And they're words to encourage us and to teach us about how we might respond in struggles and how you would like us to respond in struggles. God, you are a God of victory. You are a God that wants to silence our enemies. You are a God that is good, even when the surroundings around us look horrifying. You are a God that will never leave us and always has a way forward. Lord, would our interpretation of good match yours? And would we remember, Lord, would you, would you create this... Um, this reaction inside of us when i am afraid i'm going to choose to trust god we have all these reactions inside of us that happen all through life but god would you add one more when i am afraid i'm going to trust i'm going to be i'm going to accept my struggle and i'm going to look for you to give me a way out lord would you meet us in these things that we would not be overcome by fear we wouldn't be paralyzed and we wouldn't lose faith. Would you help us this week in all of our battles?